Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Welcome in to the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe, presented by Bet Online. I'm Ross Geiger, joined alongside Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and World B, Michael Freer. This is episode number 71, the Dennis Schroeder episode, as the 2023 FIBA World Cup MVP wore number 71 in 2022 as a member of the Boston Celtics. In addition to his successful summer leading Germany to winning gold, Dennis also inked a new deal in Toronto to take over the starting point guard duties after Fred Van Fleet's departure. It certainly should be fun to see how his big summer may translate with the Raptors this season. But before we get any further into things, and I'm sure we'll discuss a ton of what we've seen in preseason play, football is back and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, that is B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And tonight, we'll start with our traditional opening tip. And I'll go ahead and start with you, Bruce. Thank you, Ross. World B, good to be with you guys all again. Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics signed his contract extension for more than $300 million over the summer. By all accounts, he's not only a star on the court, but a leader off the court and a man of considerable intelligence. But then on Sunday night in his preseason debut against the Sixers, Brown entered the game with his uniform shorts on backwards. Yes, it was mildly embarrassing and everyone had a few laughs, but Brown ended up with 19 points on 7 of 10 shooting in the game. It will surely be the last time he makes a mistake like that. But after all, the preseason is for making adjustments before the real games begin. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just when we thought everything in Boston was moving in the right direction, everything was moving forward, it appears at least when it comes to Jalen Brown's shorts, things went backwards. So uh, nice job pointing that out, Bruce. Uh, World B, what do you have for an opening tip? Well, thank you, Ross. The NBA is mourning the loss of one of the unsung coaches in the history of the league, longtime assistant Brendan Malone. Malone, the father of Denver Nuggets head coach Michael Malone, passed away Tuesday at the age of 81. He spent 27 seasons in the NBA as a coach, all but one as an assistant. And while that professional resume on the surface doesn't seem all that distinguished, Malone was an architect of one of the greatest defensive schemes in NBA history. You see, while on Chuck Daly's staff with the Detroit Pistons in the late 80s and 90s, Brendan Malone was the creator of what came to be known as the Jordan Rules, the defensive plan the Pistons used to try and neutralize the great Michael Jordan. It obviously was a success since the Pistons won back-to-back NBA championships in 1989 and 1990, eliminating the Bulls in the playoffs along the way each year. His head coaching career consisted of one uneventful season, the inaugural season of the Toronto Raptors in 95-96, and an 18-game stint as a interim on an interim basis with the Cavaliers in 2005. He had many other stops as an assistant coach, including not one, not two, but three different stints with my Knicks. No one should ever forget the impact Brendan Malone had on the NBA. His ideas literally helped shape the league's history. And how many people can legitimately say that? Well said there will be. And our thoughts go out to the friends and family, to Coach Malone. And uh, glad you brought light to his impact on the NBA game. As for my opening tip, uh, I thought it was important to provide a friendly, friendly reminder that although we as fans are super excited for preseason play to watch our favorite teams and players, it's also important to remember that this is a preseason warm-up for NBA officials. If you've tuned into any game so far, you've probably already noticed that uptick in foul calls. 
No better example comes to mind for me having watched the Suns-Pistons game on Sunday, which had 59 foul calls throughout the game. Now, bear with us here, NBA fans, and I'm speaking a little bit for the officials here as they're obviously ironing out some kinks and uh, trying to implement some new calls into uh, preseason play as more teaching points for these players. I see a lot of good conversations going on between the players, the officials, and the coaches alike. So um, it's been an interesting start through, what, one or two games tops for most teams but uh just thought i'd bring that to the attention to our listeners here bear with the officials i promise once the regular season starts uh we'll see some of those foul calls kind of go away and the faster play uh continuing throughout a ball game so uh it's been fun so far so let's go ahead and get right into our first quarter here fellas and let's start with nba stars on new teams and uh you know, we did get the debut of Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis on Sunday with the Boston Celtics. Bruce, I'll start with you being the Celtics fan here. Um, what did you like and what you saw? Well, uh, as far as Drew, he played in Boston's Sunday debut. He sat out on Monday against the Knicks. Uh, he's going to have less pressure on him, let's say, than Damian Lillard. And his greatest contributions, I think, might not even show up in the box score. Uh, his leadership and his physical play will cause others to follow him. Uh, much like Marcus Smart before him, he will always have his teammates' backs, and he will not have, hesitate to offer <clears throat> feedback to his younger teammates when necessary. Imagine how much he's going to help Peyton Pritchard develop when they practice against each other all the time. Uh, so, yeah, Drew had some numbers, and Drew's going to you know, be a huge – I mean, I expect within – before the season's about 25% done, he is going to emerge as the leader of the Celtics. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And uh, I saw some reports here concerned, you know, Drew Holiday came off the bench in this game. I mean, he had just got acclimated with the team, obviously just arrived a few days early. Wouldn't read much into that. But uh, one thing that really stood out was uh, poor Zingas. I mean, he had a phenomenal first game, 25 minutes of play, five of seven shooting, two of three from downtown. And uh, what I liked most in this one was his floor spacing. He really spaced the floor for this team, opening up lanes for their other scorers. And of course, uh, the big ones being Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. How big is that going to be for the Celtics this year will be with having a guy like Porzingis who could really knock it down from three? Oh, it's going to be absolutely uh, tremendous. We we talked about when he was when he was acquired. Uh, the Celtics clearly look like they're going into all offense. They were one of the top three point uh, prolific three point shooting teams a season ago, uh, finishing in the top two in percentage of uh, field goal attempts that were three pointers and the percentage of points that came from threes. So that they weren't shy about that. Uh, Porzingis coming along is just going to add to that. He had his best season. Uh, last season, I think he shot about 40% from three or close to it. He had the best field goal percentage of his career and his highest scoring average of his career. You know, he's one of, he's, he's going to bring that offensive dynamic, which we talked about that the Celtics clearly are all in on. And he's going to bring a different uh, defensive mindset. He's one, of, you know, the, with the Knicks, he was a unicorn. And the reason is, He's one of the he was one of three guys over the last two years that that has averaged 1.5 threes made threes a game, 1.5 blocks per game, and the others are uh, Miles Turner and uh, the other one is escapes me. Oh, I'm sorry, Jaron Jackson Jr. So I mean that's pretty good company to be a part of, and he's a young guy too. We talked about Jalen Brown and and um, Tatum being so young. Uh, Porzingis is just 28. So they they are all in on uh, on uh, on going all threes or whatever, and Porzingis is just going to add to that. Yeah, you know, KP has always been a fascinating talent, and last season he finally seemed to kind of put it all together. And like his former Wizards teammate Bradley Beal, who's now in Phoenix, KP joins a team with championship aspirations. And like Beal, he'll likely be like the third option on offense. So he's not expected to be like the stud on the team or whatever. Um, and, but unlike Beal, he's going to be expected to be a pillar of Boston's defense in the middle. 
He looked great on Sunday, as Ross pointed out, 17 and 5 and 25 minutes against a Philly team that was resting Joel Embiid. So, you know, grain of salt there. But his job is to stay healthy, become what I like to call a superstar role player, guard the paint, and oh, yeah, stay healthy. Yeah, no, I think more than anything, it was just great to see him healthy out there on the floor. Obviously, he had a semi concerning summer, not being able to participate in the FIBA World Cup. So to see him come out strong out of the gates in game one for the Boston Celtics is really good news to see. Now, Bruce, you mentioned Brad Beal. Obviously, as I mentioned in my opening tip, I was tuned in to that Suns-Pistons game. Certainly liked what I saw from Beal as well. He just played 14 minutes, but it was three of five shooting as well. Uh, one of one from three and uh, was a perfect four, four, four for four from the line. Um, Beal and Booker kind of went back and forth uh, managing the point guard duties there. They've definitely got their work cut out for them, though. I think what Monty Williams did in this game, which is really something that I was fascinated to see, is he picked up full court. He's making those two guards work, um, bringing the ball up the floor, trying to wear them out. I think we'll see a lot of that throughout the season this year with uh, both those guards getting the pressure in the backcourt. Um, and again, I, I've mentioned it all offseason, you know, just not having one option off that bench to kind of turn to to bring the ball up uh, with a quicker, faster guy, almost like an Ish Smith type point guard would be nice just to have at the end of your bench to be like, you know what, enough of this full court pressure. Ish, get out there, run it down the floor and, and get past all that. So really curious to see how that develops. But boy, did the Suns look good. 46 points in the uh, first quarter. I think they had 40 uh, with two minutes to go in that first. Um, any thoughts on what you guys saw, at least from a box score, or maybe highlights on uh, Brad Beal's debut, it, along with uh, Yuf Yusuf Nurjic? World, you want to go first on this one, and I'll follow you? Well, as far as Bradley Beal goes, uh, you know, he's, like you said, he and uh, Booker are going to handle the uh, ball handling duties. Uh, Booker had experience with that last year when, when Chris Paul was out. I thought he did a pretty good job, honestly. But his his best uh, attribute is off the ball. And so the, it seems like Beal is going to be that guy. And here's the thing. He can do it. He doesn't have a ton of experience. He has more assists if you look up his numbers than you would figure. And his best two uh, seasons in terms of assist ratio, which is assist per 100 possessions, came in the last two seasons. So he has that ability to be a, a ball distributor, a ball handler. Ross is right. They're gonna you're gonna get pressure. You're gonna put the pressure on these guys to see if they can handle it without turning it over. The danger is if they if they can handle it, now you got nobody to help out. Maybe you don't have anybody to help out when uh Durant posts up, which yeah. I'm sure is going to be a double I don't care who else is on the court. If you want to win games, you're gonna probably double when you have Durant posting up, so we'll see what happens at that at that point when they can break the uh, whatever pressure comes their way. But yeah, that's a good strategy to have at the, in the beginning. Let's see what they can do. You know, he played eleven seasons in Washington, uh, made the playoffs. I think maybe five out of those eleven seasons. Never sniffed a deep playoff run. They never got past the second round in any of the years his team made the playoffs. So now he's age 30. He joins a team with championship expectations. And as I mentioned when talking about Porzingis, he'll be the third option, which I believe is an ideal role for this guy. He's averaged 22 a game over his career. And with Durant, who hasn't played 70 games in a season since 2019, uh, and Devin Booker, who hasn't done it since 2020. Uh, so if either KD or Book misses significant time, Beal will need to step up and really bring it. And we will find out if he can be, you know, a top performer on a championship caliber team. That, to me, will be very interesting to watch. Yeah, and another interesting thing in this game is Big Nurk, since I butchered his name off the top here. <laughs> Big Nurk uh, had four fouls uh, before we even reached halftime in this game. Obviously, he is a little foul prone, a guy that can definitely pick up some uh, quick fouls with his physicality. That seems to be a concern of mine moving forward, just with him being the new starter in Phoenix. But I'll tell you what, his backup last year in Portland has come along to Phoenix as well. They actually signed him before they traded for Big Nurk, and that is Drew Eubanks. He played huge off that bench for Phoenix. 
uh, in their first preseason game. 17 minutes. He had seven points, eight rebounds. He's a guy to keep an eye on for fantasy for all of you listeners out there that uh, like fantasy basketball. Uh, I, I really like Drew Eubanks. I think he certainly brings some uh, some energy off that bench. And there's going to be a ton of games where Nurkic gets in foul trouble. So uh, keep an eye on him moving forward. Now, uh, Bruce, as far as you know, Phoenix moving forward, do you think we can fully expect him to put up 130-plus uh, when it comes regular season time, when these guys are playing, you know, 40, 35, 40 minutes a night? I think a lot of that is going to depend on uh, Frank Vogel's style and what does he want to do? Does he want to play half court? Does he want to get out and run? Are they a good enough rebounding team where they're going to be able to, you know, get the ball off the rim and start fast breaks? I really don't know. And it will be one of the fun things to see. Yep. And the one thing I do know is uh, no matter – what time zone you're in. When it comes to Milwaukee, it's certainly still Dame time. Now, of course, that time has not started ticking uh, out on the floor. Uh, <laughs> as we are taping here on Tuesday night, Damian Lillard is out in their preseason game against the Memphis Grizzlies here tonight. But, uh, you know, some interesting quotes were going around through training camp, one of which that really stood out to me was Damian Lillard discussing just the dynamic duo with Giannis as far as pick and rolls are concerned in a half court set. And he said, listen, you can, they're going to have to pick their poison here. It's either Giannis is going to dunk it every time, or I'm going to make nine threes a game. Uh, World B, I'll start with you. What do you, what's your big takeaways from that comment? Do you think it's pretty accurate of kind of what's going to end up happening in these games? We're either going to see Giannis be extremely efficient, 15 to 17, uh, field goals with Damian Lillard kind of dumping it off to him or Lillard just getting 10 plus threes up a night? Well, he he's coming off a season where he had a career high in attempts, uh, 11.3 a game. And he shot about, what, 37, 37% on 11 th- three-point attempts per game. That's pretty darn good. And, you know, he had the best shooting season of his career in terms of effective field goal percentage at 56%. So he has reason to talk about doing it like that. Uh, one thing I would say is while you can vision in your mind him dumping the ball off to Giannis and seeing if he gets a double, and then that somehow will end up rotating, leaving Lillard open for a three, somehow they'll set it up that way. But keep this in mind. He also had a career high in drives to the basket last year, 16 a game. So there's there he's not just going to sit out there the entire season and just, you know, hoist up threes, which he obviously can do. I wouldn't expect 11 threes a game just because between Giannis and Chris Middleton and Lillard, there's just not going to be that many shots. If there are, you know, just bring the trophy to Milwaukee already. (laughs) But I would say it's watch for him taking the ball to the basket along with shooting the the deep three. It's going to be uh, a real interesting dynamic with this Bucks team, especially with new coach. Let's see what he, how he's going to handle this. You know, in Portland, he was the undisputed Batman of that team. It was, he had the total control over pretty much everything uh, when it came to offense and he, you know, delivered, of course, you know, averaging 30 plus, you know, last season. But he's really not going to be Batman on this team. He's going to be Robin, right? Yep. Giannis is Batman. He's Robin. And I think I think he wants to win. I think he's got the right attitude. But I think he's going to have a little bit of an adjustment uh, because he's no longer going to be the guy that's always going to be the button guy, right? I mean, he's going to have to be more of a playmaker. He's more than capable of it. I think he's going to have a lot of pressure on him, not so much for his individual stats, but for them to win a lot of games. And in the fourth quarter, when they need to get buckets, he's going to probably, you know, I would expect him to do, if he if he's doing what he needs to do, he's going to be a big, you know, game time in the fourth quarter guy. Yeah. And uh, one other quote I definitely want to mention here that I saw from training camp uh, Malik Beasley was talking about just how open he's been. He's like, I've never been this open in my life. I mean, just the defensive attention that Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and Damian Lillard require. He's like, I'm going to get a lot of shots up, or at least the shots that I do get, they're going to be free open looks. We saw a little bit of that uh, on the Bucks' first home opening preseason game against the Chicago Bulls as um, 
Malik Beasley did start in this game, played 22 minutes, was an efficient 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 7 from deep. So keep an eye out for him, too. Back to fantasy here. He could be a great source for three-point shots this year for your fantasy team. Now, as we get into our second quarter here, we did have a lot of rookie preseason debuts. I mean, the one that I certainly want to focus on, uh, not sure if you guys caught the highlights or maybe even the game on NBA TV, was, of course, that San Antonio Spurs-Oklahoma City matchup between Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren. That matchup definitely didn't disappoint. And, Bruce, I'll start with you as far as your kind of reaction to watching those two young bigs battle. You can't spell victory without Victor, okay? His debut against OKC on Monday showed his unique package of skills. Great handle, block shots, hits the glass, excellent footwork, good hands, and vision that I don't think, you know, it's unparalleled. I mean, to see a guy who can see over the entire team, even when they have their hands up and be able to, you know, see what's going on, uh, it's remarkable. If he stays healthy, he's going to do things we have never seen before from a man his size or probably anyone else. And, oh, yeah, his numbers, 20 points in 19 minutes, 8 of 13 from the floor, 5 rebounds, 2 steals. Pretty impressive. World B, what are your, what are your takeaways with these two young bigs? Uh, I think they're going to definitely help their, their teams immediately. Um with the Spurs, with you know, with Wimby on the Spurs, they there really is they need so much help. Uh, for, after last season, you know, he can't help but do it. Um, you know, they were they were 29th in offensive efficiency. They were the worst defensive team in the league. So he can help in both areas. He's going to protect. Yeah, you know, we talked about his ability to protect the paint. Uh, potentially protect the paint. The Spurs gave up the most points per game in the restricted area last season, 41 a game in the restricted area. I can't imagine that being the same number this season with Wimbayama if he's healthy and on the court all the time. Uh, as far as Holmgren goes, the Thunder's offense really improved. They were the most improved offense last season from the previous season. The previous season, they were one of the worst in the league. And now last season, they were middle of the pack. He's only going to help them get even better. So I'm looking forward both of them to have immediate impacts on their teams. Yeah, I was certainly impressed with Chet Holgram. One of the biggest things that I took away from this was just how much he handled the ball. I mean, he was bringing the ball up the court, uh, grabbing boards, bringing it up. And uh, much like Jaron Jackson does with the Memphis Grizzlies, he was also breaking guys down at the top of the key quite a bit. Wemby's not quite there yet to do that because guys crowd him. And, and, and kind of bring that physicality. He's still trying to work out uh, kind of how he's going to deal with that. I mean, his face-up game in that first game against OKC wasn't that great from 15 feet. But uh, Chet Holmgren kind of showed us the whole package. And I got to be honest with you, Bruce. I was watching that game, and of course, I'm probably the the biggest Scoot, Fender, uh, Scoot Henderson fan here, hoping he'll win Rookie of the Year. And uh, he, he made me kind of nervous because Chet Holmgren is going to be right there, and they certainly are going to have the better record. Um, so I, I kind of like Chet as a rookie of the year favorite with my guy Scoot maybe being uh, the second guy. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, Chet certainly did hold his own against Victor on Monday. It played really well for the Thunder. The seven-footer who is a second-year rookie after missing all of last season uh, put up 21-9 and nine in just 16 minutes, Okay. Much like Wemby, he's got to hit that weight room and put some meat on his bones. But his basketball skills are impressive, man. Not that it really matters, but OKC beat the Spurs 122-121 in the game. And here's an odd stat, okay? If you want to talk about them kind of playing each other mostly to a draw, both Victor and Chet had zeros in the plus-minus column at the end of the (laughs) game, which is really unusual. Very weird there, for sure. And, and another standout rookie I definitely want to talk about in this uh, section of the quarter is, uh, of course, Jarese Walker of the Indiana Pacers. He came off the bench, played most of the second half in this one, 27 minutes, 7 to 15 from the field, 4 of 9 from behind the line from downtown. Uh, he had 19 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks, kind of filled it up everywhere here. I, I watched this game. I was quite impressed with kind of him showing us the full package 
in, on night one of his NBA debut. And seems like they got a nice winner uh, with their, their first round draft pick. Don't you think, Bruce? Man, he is a six foot eight, 240 pound, 20 year old man. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always <laughs> like to look at rookies and compare them to established vets whose games seem kind of similar. Uh, does this guy remind you of anyone from the Pacers past? I mean, it's still early, but I'm definitely getting an Antonio Davis vibe with a slightly better offensive game. Uh, all the numbers you said, you know, were super impressive. But uh, but Jairus Walker, man, I mean, that's that they got some young dudes on that team that that you know, with playing under Rick Carlisle. I mean, Walker, Halliburton, Matherin. I mean, they got you know young 23, 21, 20-year-old 20 guys, and they have the perfect coach for that team. Now, we'll be, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on the Antonio Davis comp Bruce just came up with. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's a, you know, it's an excellent comparison, and Antonio Davis had a nice, long NBA career. If you could pull the same uh, kind of career that Anthony Davis have, you know, you're going to be doing pretty good. He did make an all-star team too. Anthony Davis did. So it wasn't like he was a backup by any stretch. He was part of a really good group uh, of Pacers back, you know, during that era. So yeah, that's a, that's a definitely a fair comparison, uh, certainly in size. Uh, he, and I, I agree with Bruce. I think he probably has more, he hopefully will have more of an offensive game than Anthony Davis did because <laughs> For all the credit I gave him, gave him for a nice career, he he was a little limited offensively. Um, but you know the Pacers, while they have a lot of young guys, they they're another team that can only you hope go up. They were bottom ten both in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. The defense was really, uh, I think they were twenty eighth or 29th last year in defense. That's really not going to cut it in terms of making that big leap. I was really surprised with Rick Carlisle uh, being their coach. So you figure the, the young guys will get better and older and more experienced. I agree with Bert. This team can only go up. And, yeah, Walker's going to be one of the keys to their uh, success, it, it, it's looking like. You know, Ross, one of the things that was that, that really made Antonio Davis such a valuable offensive player weren't so much his shooting skills. That man set screens that were impenetrable. Reggie Miller is in the Hall of Fame in large part because Antonio Davis was setting screens to free him up. And I would not be surprised to see history repeating itself with him and Halliburton in that screen and roll game where Halliburton gets free from his guy because that great wall of Jairus Walker is setting those screens. Yeah, no, I think the beneficiaries will certainly be Halliburton. Uh, with the starting group. And of course, they've got one of the best backups in the league in TJ McConnell, who obviously is a great floor general off the bench. So keep an eye on uh, young Jerese Walker, another guy that stood out, Ben Shepard, played 25 minutes. He was a late first round pick for them. He really got his shots up, but I liked his size and his energy and uh, has some confidence in that shot. So if they do eventually move on from Buddy Heald, Shepard could be replacing him as far as one of those high volume three point shooters. Now, last but certainly not least is Asar Thompson, who obviously debuted against the Phoenix Suns. He played like 36 minutes in this game. It was unbelievable how long Monty Williams uh, played him in just his first rookie game. Uh, Bruce, I'll start with you, kind of uh, what you took away from at least seeing the box score and, and having to probably take a double check there, a double take, 36 minutes, game one? That was the first number I noticed when I looked at the box score. Not to correct you, it was yeah. 39 minutes. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. But the, yeah. the, the point is still the same. I don't yeah. think anybody on any team in any game so far has played that many minutes. I mean, not no. that I can you know, recall off the top of my head. And he did put up numbers, 12, 10, and 6. He did have some turnovers, but he had the same number of assists as Cade Cunningham, their point guard. In fairness, Cade played way fewer minutes. But uh, yeah, Asar uh, was impressive coming out of the gate. And his brother, a man of Houston, because you always kind of talk about the Thompson twins together, uh, it made his debut on Tuesday night, kind of as we're taping this. Uh, he had some okay numbers, but he only played six minutes uh, or played uh, 
uh, 14 minutes, six points, and six rebounds. So not bad. Uh, and Houston is leading Indiana at this moment. And will be when you look at that Detroit Pistons ro- roster, um, you know, do you see Asar Thompson getting some minutes under Monty Williams? Do you think he they're going to continue to develop younger guys or out, you know, right out of the gates? Do you see them kind of rolling with their veterans like Bodon Gogbanovich, uh, and some of the, the older players, Alec Burks, one of your former Knicks guys? Do you think those guys are going to kind of get the, uh, the early look, or do you think they're going to roll out the young guys and try to develop confidence early? I think they're going to put out the young guys. Uh, the pattern for this franchise has been, if you're young and you're talented, we're going to give you the minutes. They they did that with Kate Cunningham. They did that with some of the other guys. Yeah, if they're young and Thompson looks like he is going to be, uh, they obviously like him, you know, are giving them every shot to uh, see time during the regular season, 39 minutes in a preseason game. You, If he got that over two games, you'd be impressed. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to let him uh, grow on the court until, you, you know, they're not going to put him in if he's overmatched. That's, you're just not going to do that. you got too many good players there. Um, but I do think, look, the Pistons were one of, four, one of three teams last season that were bottom four in offensive and defensive efficiency, the Rockets and the Spurs being the other. What do you – this is where you put your redder. This is why you draft these young guys. Let's grow with it. We have nowhere else to go but up. Where are the Pistons going to be this year? They're not They're not a playoff team. So let's grow these guys and see what we can do for the future. Look at what happened with the Thunder. The Thunder, for years, drew out young guy after their lineup at one point a couple years ago, didn't have anybody over 21 years old. And now where are they? They are in the mix for a playoff spot coming this year. We're looking at them to be a playoff team this season. I think the Pistons can be in that group. They're at the beginning stages of that, but and Thompson's going to be one of them. So, yeah, I definitely think because the Pistons, let's face it, aren't bad as they are or as bad as they were, have no, have no reason not to put him in the lineup as long as he can produce. Yeah, I def I definitely agree. And you mentioned one of their weaknesses is that defense. That's one of Asar's strengths, actually. And he was actually assigned to Devin Booker in this game, getting some good experience against one of the best scorers in the NBA. Um, obviously, uh, had his troubles there in the first quarter as the Suns put up 46 points. But uh, I mean, if he's going to play good defense, and uh, you know, he grabbed 10 rebounds as a guard. I mean, if he's rebounding the ball, playing good defense, I, I I'm in total agreement with the both of you. Roll out the young guys, let them get experience, and let's really build for the future. And with that, we've gone ahead and reached our halftime buzzer. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and come back with you for the second half. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit And we're back with the start of the third quarter, and let's talk potential breakout players. Obviously, uh, the preseason can be a a really good indicator of some names to keep an eye on, and uh, we've got a few names here for you all. And, uh, Bruce, I'll start with you. What's one name that uh, you see as a potential breakout guy? P-squared, also known as Peyton Pritchard of the Celtics. Clearly on track for a larger role with the team now that Malcolm Brogdon is gone. In his first two games, he shot well from downtown, 10 out of 22, scored a total of 47 points. Now, last year, he only played in 48 games and averaged a bit more than 13 minutes, okay? And a lot of times, those were mop-up minutes. This year, expect him to play in almost every game and double his minutes from last season, okay? He just signed a four-year extension for $30 million. Now, it's six foot one. Defense is certainly going to be a challenge for him, but one of the things that I've always liked about when I watch him, he is really scrappy and he fights through screens on defense. He is not timid about you know about getting dirty. He reminds me of a guy you mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, Ross, when you were talking about another topic, kind of a younger version of T.J. McConnell, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt about it. It should be fun to watch. Pritchard get his wish come true in Boston, wanted more playing time or he wanted a trade. And now he's going to get that with the uh, departure of Malcolm Brogdon. Will B, uh, who's a potential breakout player for you? 
Uh, I'm well, I'm interested to see what becomes of uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Okay, um, his numbers over the first two seasons are pretty similar in term, but his minutes were a lot more last season, and he was producing the same kind of numbers. So that's kind of you. you I want to see him take that next step where he's going to get more minutes and start producing more numbers. So, uh, like I said, his first two, he had a really good rookie season. Last season, the numbers are similar. He just played about four or five more minutes a game. So now you're like, well, you know, what do those numbers mean? So I'm interested to see how he breaks through uh, this coming season. Yeah, Jonathan Kaminga is a great pick there. Uh, Looked great in their first preseason game. The things that really stood out in the minutes that I watched for Kaminga was his outside shot. He's really shooting it with a lot of confidence. I know it's just preseason. Maybe he's just experimenting, but he shot at four of eight. So he was making half his attempts. And the other thing I got to mention, and Bruce, you may remember this from our color cast days, but Jonathan Jonathan Kaminga used to be horrendous at the foul line. In this game, he was four or five from the line. So if if he's shooting at anything better than 75%, boy, would that be an improvement. I remember, Bruce, we did a game once. I think he was like four of 16. They did like a hack of Kaminga. Do you remember that? Vaguely, I mean, you know, he came into the league. He was so young, man. I mean, he was so raw. Yeah. So I I think that's certainly a really good pick. And I I think with Chris Paul on board, you know, he could be spoon fed some uh, really nice baskets around the rim and obviously can go ahead and showcase that athleticism. So a really fun name to watch. Now, as for me being out here in Phoenix, the guy that really caught my eye in that Pistons Suns game was the newly acquired Grayson Allen. one fun fact on Grayson Allen in this game against Detroit on Sunday was that he was actually celebrating his birthday, and boy, did he get a gift. Uh, he was shooting the ball extremely well in this one. Uh, Grayson Allen really seems to be a, a blessing in disguise for Phoenix, getting another very uh, capable contributor, whether it be as a off-the-bench guy or late-game guy with his defense. Um, really shot the ball well. He was 7-11 from the field in 20 minutes, three of six from deep. And uh, obviously he's got a lot of good playoff experience with the Milwaukee Bucks playing on a competitive squad out West. Uh, Bruce, do you have any thoughts on Grayson Allen? How, how, what do you think of my pick there? Uh, I, I like it a lot. I mean, look, Grayson Allen remains one of the most disliked players in the league. Even though he has largely cleaned up his act, His reputation shows that negative first impressions are very, very difficult to overcome. He averaged 10 a game for the Bucs last season on almost 40% shooting from downtown. And calling him a breakout guy could be a a mild stretch, but he will be a key reserve on a team where injuries have been an issue among their stars, as we mentioned before when talking about Bradley Beal. So he gives them great insurance off the bench. He can shoot from downtown, as you mentioned. He will get his hands and you know dirty on defense, sometimes too dirty. Ask uh, uh, Alex Caruso about that one. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I think Grayson Allen is going to be a guy that uh, will have a, a very important role with Phoenix. And will be, just to kind of make the record straight here. Is he a dirty player or is he not a dirty player? What's your vote? He's a dirty player. Yeah. <laughs> just, you had to think about that no, one a minute. There's no sugarcoating it. They're, they're yeah. just, I'm sorry. No, he's on your team. I get it. He's a dirty player. He's a, he played at my, my brother's favorite college team, Duke. So I respect everything about him. He's a career 40-point shooter from three. He's going to bring a great element to that team. He's a dirty player. <laughs> There's just no way around it. I'm sorry. Well, I think and there you have, have it. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think out of all three of our choices here, I think my favorite is Jonathan Kaminga. I mean, obviously, he's been in the league for quite some time, but he's a younger developing player, really seems to be kind of finding his niche role with the team but uh i think we we came up with three good names what do you say bruce you know if kaminga gets enough minutes this year i really think he has a shot at most improved player uh he just turned 21 okay he's played just one preseason game but he put up 24 points on eight of 14 shooting and you talked about his free throw struggles he was four out of eight on threes so clearly he's been working on the stroke 
Uh, last year, he averaged a shade under 10 a game, but I could see him with the right amount of minutes up in that number by five to seven points this year. And if he does, he's going to definitely be in the running for most improved player. And I think he will totally benefit by any amount of time he's on the floor with Chris Paul this year, because Chris Paul is going to get that uh, guy some looks. Absolutely. And so there are our potential breakout players as we move forward to our fourth quarter. Thought it'd be fun if we all picked a team we expect to come out of nowhere. And uh, World B, I'll go ahead and start with you with the team. Well, there were very few teams that were less nowhere than uh, Charlotte Hornets last season. Uh, and there's not a whole lot expected of them this season, but I'm – I know I followed them for years, and I'll be following them again this season. Um, but I'll tell you what: if you look at it, they have a shot at at least getting back to what seems to be their uh, familiar spot, uh, going to a, a play-in tournament game, because it's the second half of the season after the All-Star break. They had one of the best defenses in the league. They were still bad on defense for the overall. But they were a top 10 team after the All-Star break in efficiency. And they had the second best behind the Celtics in defending shooters. Their opponent effective field goal percentage was the second best in the league after the All-Star break. They only had the middle ball for 36 games last season. If he's healthy, they're, number, they're going to be an improved team. Brandon Miller is going to help that team. Miles Bridges, I'm sorry. I know there's a lot of people that don't like him on, in the NBA right now. That's totally fair. If he's on that roster, he's going to help them. They have about the same group, and their only free agent pick or the only acquisition pickups were drafting Miller and getting Bridges back, If they're, which means they're only going to help their depth. If they can keep those guys healthy, which is always a big if, I get it, they're going to be a whole lot better than they were this past season. Hey, I just got to correct you real quick here, Will B. I don't like to do this, but – Please don't disrespect Frank Nielakina like that. All right. They got Frankie, Frankie Nielakina from, uh, you know, the Dallas Mavericks this year. I know you like to forget about him because you decided to take him over Donovan Mitchell, but you know, don't, don't leave him out of there. You know, he's going to, he's going to provide a defensive presence uh, from the guard position. You know, if you, if you want me to be ashamed of myself, you really got to do a little better than that. <laughs> okay. Well, I tried my best here. Tonight. I'm sure you can, but you got to yeah. do better. All right. You know, you know, well, Ross, speaking of the Lakina, our mutual friend, Kurt Rambis, who coached him in New York when he was on the Knicks, told me one time that that dude has a extremely high basketball IQ. So it'll be nice to see if he, you know, can kind of take that and move forward with it and become, you know, more of a contributor. Yeah, absolutely. He, he was one of the guys that I used to sit down pregame with and watch videos. So I can definitely confirm that okay. along with Coach <laughs> Rambis. Um <laughs> Bruce, who do you have as uh, one of the, one of the teams in the league that could come out of nowhere? I have two teams, and I keep okay. going back and forth between Houston and Portland. Okay, so I don't know if we're going to have time for me to talk about both. So I'm going to go with Houston. I would definitely buy Houston Rockets stock right now. I see a team with young talent like Jalen Green and veteran leadership from newly acquired Fed Van Vliet and Jeff Green, who won a chip in Denver last year, along with tough guy Dylan Brooks, who was uh, with the Grizzlies last year. And the new guys, uh, Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore, will be very fun to watch if they can get some minutes. And after returning from a one-year suspension, head coach Ime Udoka returns with a chip on his shoulder and a whole lot to prove. Now, making the top six in the West is highly unlikely, but making the play-in tournament would be a great building block for this team, and I could see that possibly happening. And if, by chance, the team happens to be peaking at the right time, who knows what they might be able to do. So I really expect them to take a major step forward this year. I really like that pick. I think this team is almost 10, 11 deep with the talent that they have on their roster right now, giving head coach Ime Udoka a lot of guys to work with. Obviously, I think it's going to be a competitive ball club, even just trying to earn minutes, which is going to be what these young guys need. I think World B, it was you last year saying that they lacked a lot of discipline, obviously, on the defensive end. Well, when you have other options on that bench, you can hold guys much more accountable. You know, if Jason Tate's not guarding someone, you can go with Cam Whitmore or Tari Eason. There's just multiple options for Ime Adoka to go with here. And so if young guys 
aren't going to learn on the fly. They're going to learn the hard way and sit on the pine. They have to shoot better. I mean, yep. it comes. It really comes down to that for that team. You know, a lot of young guys, guys that were expecting to shoot better. Uh, Van Vliet has to pick up his shooting coming from Toronto. Uh, Jabari Smith showed flashes last year, but he, overall he was just a really bad shooter for a rookie. He's a young guy too, so he, there's plenty of opportunity for them to grow, but they have to improve their shooting. If they do, Bruce, Bruce will have a really good uh, turnaround pick uh, in Houston. <laughs> And as for my turnaround pick, as far as the team coming out of nowhere, I'm going to go right back to the Indiana Pacers. I mean, obviously, I mentioned liking their their new rookies, Jarese Walker and Ben Shepard, but let's not forget about Coach Rick Carlisle here. I mean, he has a roster here that's pretty deep. Now, there's really no sexy names on this team, but they play the game the right way. Tyrese Halliburton, TJ McConnell, uh, Bruce Brown, one of their big pickups from the Denver Nuggets coming from a system where they played the right way. They've got a lot of guys that know how to play in a team environment, and he's going to have a lot of options off that bench as well. As we mentioned, Jarese Walker's coming off that bench. Aaron Neesmith, who came over from the Boston Celtics, getting more of an opportunity there, has really kind of taken advantage of that as well. Buddy Heald's coming off that bench as of right now in the preseason, so keep an eye on them. And Obi Toppin, a guy that came over from New York, didn't get much run with uh, Tom Thibodeau, Obviously a very talented player, young athletic. I think he's going to be playing with a lot of confidence this year. So I just see across the board for this team, I think they get overlooked a lot because there isn't a superstar. out. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is moving towards that direction, but he's still not like a, a sexy, exciting player like an Anthony Edwards per se. So I just think they get overlooked because of the names on that roster. I mean – I think they're super solid. I, I think we should definitely keep a lookout for them in the central division and uh, moving forward. Uh, if they can continue to de- develop that young talent, Ben Matherin, a, a sophomore season, if he can show another jump in stride with this team, uh, keep a lookout for the Pacers. And with, do you have any comment and any, any follow-up on that at all? No, I mean, I'm the biggest Rick Carlisle fan there is, and I totally expect him to develop that young talent. Perfect. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get into our final final thoughts here and wrap things up. And uh, tonight, I'll start with you, World B. Thank you, Ross. I'm going a little off topic here, but I wanted to say a few words about former NHL player, coach, and TV analyst Barry Melrose. On Tuesday, Melrose announced he was leaving ESPN after being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. I first met Barry in 1997 when I began working at, on the NBA Tonight Show at ESPN. Many nights, the NBA Tonight Show and NHL Tonight Shows shared the same studio at ESPN, and there were often friendly jabs and barbs between the two crews as we made our transition from one show to the other. After that, although admittedly not a hockey follower, I got to work with Barry again years later uh, after moving to ESPNU in Charlotte. I was able to work in the production truck during the NCAA Final Four championships for years where he was the analyst alongside a number of different uh, play-by-play guys. And although distinctive with his voice, he never used it to yell or talk down to anyone in the crew. Quite the opposite, in fact. He would often make you feel as if you were making a big contribution, sometimes as big as any of the broadcasters that were there. Of all the things I've missed about my time at ESPN, one of the biggest is still sitting with the rest of the crew in a hotel bar or lounge after one of the Frozen Four semifinals or championship games and looking over to see Barry being at his best, which meant being accommodating to any fan that would walk by and ask Barry about their his thoughts on any random NHL player, any NHL team. Barry was always accommodating in that regard and always had something to say about one of the teams that was uh, he was being asked about. There are many terrific analysts in the sports we love basketball, both in college and in the NBA. But I promise you, there is no more talented analyst. In the, if, there was a, if the analyst most talented in the NBA were as good as Barry was in the NHL, then that person would definitely be the best analyst on TV. Barry, good luck in your battle with this terrible disease, and rest assured, you have millions in your corner for this fight. 
Well said there, Will B, and we wish him the best of luck throughout his battle. Bruce, final thought? Full disclosure, I like the WNBA and have always hoped for its success. Living as I do in Connecticut, I've always enjoyed the UConn women, many of whom are among the biggest stars in the history of the W. But I got to admit, I'm scratching my head at the decision by the league to start game one of its championship series between the New York Liberty and the Las Vegas Aces on an NFL Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. If the objective of the league is to showcase its two best teams battling for a chip, why on earth would they schedule game one in the middle of the six-hour window where sports fans are focusing on the NFL, whose TV ratings are the highest in sports? Perhaps the league was more concerned about live attendance in the arena, but that's really the only reason I can think of for scheduling a championship game, particularly game one, on Sunday afternoon. I can't help but think that many more fans would have had a chance to see these two great teams if the game had been scheduled, you know, at some other time. Yeah, definitely a big head scratcher there, but uh, wish the the two teams the best of luck. And I'm going to make my prediction here live on the show. I think the Aces are going to win the championship this year. They look to seem seem to be the the strongest team in the league uh, from what I watched throughout the the NBA or WNBA season. But uh, should be a lot of fun, and uh, uh, I'm right there with you on the game one decision there. Now, as for, as for my final thought here, I want you all to get your tinfoil caps on because I have an NBA conspiracy the- theory by yours truly. Of course, I was the big conductor of the Giannis pod, getting him to come on the show, kind of talk about uh, things, some things about his future in Milwaukee. And it kind of caused a domino effect with, of course, the Damian Lillard trade, which paved the way to have Scoot Henderson take over in Portland. It got Drew Holiday to Boston, which in all absolutely created so much more extra excitement for the league heading into the season. Now, for anyone that knows me, I'm probably the biggest Chainsmokers fan out there, which is an EDM duo uh, for those that are unfamiliar with the Chainsmokers. Well, the NBA just announced that the Chainsmokers of all musical artists will be the musical guests performing for NBA opening night on TNT with the TNT crew there in Denver on October 24th. So it's almost like the NBA called me to ask who I'd want to have, you know, on opening night. And uh, maybe this is their thank you to me. I, I don't know, but it just seems a little odd with the timing and everything that kind of went down. You know, this, this might've been their, uh, their, their favor for me. So let me know what you guys think. Is this just a, a weird conser- conspiracy, ironic, or, uh, you know, maybe it was just their tip of the cap of thanks for getting things moved along with the Dame trade here. And uh, now we've got a much more exciting season, but with that, that will do it with this for this edition of the 48 minutes podcast on believe presented by bet online. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back with you next week to be sure you're up to date in 48 on all things around the association. Take care, everybody.